You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 299th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it's our 956th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of July 13th, 2023. I am your host, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment is just simply a collection of, of good news. I'm sitting here watching Trace Jackson Davis start his summer league work. Uh, we've seen Jalen Hood Shafino looking good for uh, the Lakers in, in his games this summer. We just heard from Trey Galloway in a press conference where it revealed a confident young man ready to be a team leader, a main defender, guarding the other team's best player, and an improved shooter by holding his follow-through. Women's basketball. They've sold uh, season tickets at a rate never seen before at Indiana. I'm telling you, Coach Morin has this program rolling. In baseball, the transfer portal losses were minimal, and a top 50 draft, Andrew Wiggins, didn't get drafted, and so he'll be playing at IU next spring. And things are looking up for IU baseball, and we're seeing pictures of football holding their position dinners, uh, and that signals another start of the football season just around the corner, and we can hope for some good things from the football program. Summer is always enjoyable. But it's really enjoyable when you have some good news about Indiana University to share, and we're here to do that this evening. Okay, let me introduce uh, my co-host this week. Ryan and Andy are off this week. Jared is in bedtime. He'll be here in about 10 or 15 minutes. But, but here with me is someone that I like uh, just a little bit. Uh, he's my son, Brent Tonsoni. He's also, uh, his mother said that she was glad he got a haircut today because he was going to be on the show and so hopefully he looks good and uh, he sounds good as well. But uh, Brent is in his fourth year, is that correct, uh, at sure. Rossville as a JV basketball coach. He's in his first year as a basketball trainer uh, working at Compete Training Academy with our good friend Jordan Delks. And he's here to talk a little bit about workouts. If you're in the community, you saw Jordan Delks and myself talking about workouts and improving the shooting. And we're going to continue that discussion tonight with Brent and talk about some of the things that these basketball trainers do. So welcome to the show, Brent. Uh, how are you feeling and your thoughts about what you do, Indiana sports, your time to let it rip? Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, you, We weren't sure if I was going to be able to get on. And then when some uh, plans changed for me, I was able to hop on and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, I love I love the summertime because as a teacher and an educator, I can just focus on basketball, which is a big love of mine. But I do miss uh, ever since IU baseball got beat in the Lexington Regional, I've been missing my Hoosier sports. So I'm looking forward. Uh, I know I got season tickets to football. I'm ready for September to get here so I can uh, go tailgate and be in Memorial Stadium to cheer on the Hoosiers and all, all other sports too. Uh, but for right now, I guess we'll just have to keep talking about this offseason. 
So we're going to talk a lot about off-season training. Brent has has done a lot of that almost every day. He's traveling somewhere in some barn here in Indiana helping college and uh, pro athletes uh, get ready. And we're going to talk about that uh, in segment one. We're going to talk about some Hoosier headlines, including Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, hopefully uh, you're listening to us and watching Trace uh, uh, as he finished his um, game up there. Segment two, we're going to talk about uh, college basketball players training in the offseason. Again, you had to film in the community that showed uh, what the trainer does. We have some questions from you, the community, for Brent, uh, and we're going to talk about what players do during the off season and segment three, uh, we're moving the mailbag to make a longer segment too, but uh, we'll be doing a full ask us anything, uh, in the coming weeks. So all of that's coming up here on assembly call radio. Uh, so now let's talk about our presenting sponsor. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many more. The bottom line is that Homefield has something for fans and grads of pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. What could be better than that? And a new set of Indiana gear is coming out this weekend. Be on the lookout for it. I imagine it's going to be tremendous. Uh, everything is going to be uh, needed and wanted by all of us. Maybe Jared and not the Oval. I know he has a problem with, with that IU Oval. But other than that, the gear is tremendous. Indiana stuff coming out. Make sure you go to Homefield Apparel this weekend to check out the new Indiana Homefield gear. So that's homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, um, who's your headlines? Tyler Toshman is moving on from the Indy Star to the Des Moines Register. We wish him well. Always good to talk basketball with Tyler. Uh, and now he'll be covering the, the Hawkeyes uh, he won't have to worry about writing any defensive articles, um, only offensive articles, as that's what the Iowa basketball team is all about. Anyway, the NCAA announced this week that it's continuing to look into expanding the tournament, but nothing has been decided yet. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that here in segment one. Uh, Trace, in his first summer league, uh, Ward number 32, signed a four-year contract worth $7.6 million with 3.01 guaranteed through the first two seasons and team options for years three and four. Got off to a, a okay start. You can tell he was rusty, but you can tell what Golden State wants in him. He had an assist, then a block, then he missed a couple shots at the rim, finished a, a third one with a, a slam dunk, had a, had a bad pass, learning the pace of the game. Trace Jackson uh, ended up playing a little bit better in the second and third trips uh, back in the in the game, I was getting ready for the show. I missed some of that, but uh, he played well. He started his play tonight. Jalen Hood Shafino is averaging 13 points per game, 3.7 assists, 4.0 rebounds per game, and 1.3 steals in 29.5 minutes, shooting just 36.6 from the field, but 60% from three on limited attempts. He'll wear number zero. Four-year contract worth 17.8 million. Pretty nice chunk of change there. 
with team options in years three and four. On the recruiting front, nothing really uh, earth-shattering is happening. Coaches were at the Peach Jam. A lot of guys, players said good things, put us on the list of eight, so forth. Uh, but we'll wait for official visits and commitments before we do uh, anything deeper than that. Um, Brent, I want to get your thoughts a little bit. You you were a manager at Indiana State. You've been an Indiana fan for a long time, just a college sports fan. We fill out the bracket here at home, the life-size bracket. What do you think about when you hear the NCAA announcing that it's looking into expanding the tournament? I, personally, I don't like it. Um, I understand getting more teams in and the TV revenue and all, all that stuff, which is important, I guess. But – one thing that's really special about the NCAA tournament is every single team does have a chance to win a national championship going into March. And what I mean by that is, especially coming from a mid-major at Indiana State when I was a manager, it didn't matter if we were in top three in the Valley or bottom three in the Valley. We could always go to St. Louis and have a chance in our conference tournament to make an NCAA tournament. And that's what I think is so special is that those mid-majors can get in. Now – we already see eight to 10 big 10 teams get in. So what we, we expand the tournament, right. And now all 14 big 10 teams get in or whatever. Like I, I, I don't want to reward losing. And I feel like if, I feel like if you get more and more teams, you could have a five game under 500 in the conference and still make the NCAA tournament. And I just, I'm not personally, I'm personally not a fan of that. The only way, Brent, that I would entertain uh, expanding the tournament is if the smaller conferences like you were a part of at Indiana State, mm -hmm. if there were some way where some of those teams could send more teams than just their conference tournament winner. I agree totally that everyone has a shot. You win your conference tournament, you're in the NCAA tournament. That's a guarantee. Uh, you know, and then the at-larges are just are special. I, too, don't like the 10-team conferences, although – when you get to 16, you know, UCLA and USC is coming in. I think you're going to see huge numbers in conference. And the NCAA always says each team is an independent contractor. But I, I'm, I'm with you. It, the tournament is special. you got to play well to get there. I know there are always three or four teams that feel like they've been wronged uh, on the wrong side of the bubble. But the only way that I would uh, entertain and appreciate expanding is is mid-major. Your, your thoughts from uh, – you know, coming from a mid-major program. I, I would agree with that. But then my next question would be, what would, you're the bracketologist, like what would the criteria be, right? Because I feel like they would still reward, you know, the net or they would reward those lower level power five teams because they play everybody, right? And if if you make a point to where maybe the top two teams in, in mid-majors get in, then absolutely that would have given us way more of an opportunity as a mid-major. But I still, in my in my opinion, I would think they were going to take playing tougher opponents. And even if you lose a lot of those games, you know, the Indiana States of the world, they don't get to play Purdue, Michigan State, Indiana. They don't get to do that as consistently. So what would the criteria be um, yeah. in deciding who those extra teams would be? If we ended up making a criteria where more mid-majors could get in, I would appreciate that a little more too. But if it's just getting more power five teams in, not a fan. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, where I'm at. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct about the criteria. I, I've always thought, uh, as it is now, 68, hold four slots for like conference winners in the regular season who get upset in their conference tournament. So you have a team that goes 26-2, and two, and then you use the same criteria. So here are 
32 conferences, if 20 uh, regular season conference championships lose, they get thrown in a pool and you use the same criteria. What, what are the best four teams? What are the best five, six teams from the conference winners getting in? But you also bring up a great problem, and we've talked about it a lot on, on multiple shows, is no one signs up to mid-majors to play. If you're a good mid-major, no one wants to play you because the big schools don't want to don't get beat. And, and so strength of schedule and the net and all of those things that you talk about with the criteria. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, – you know, Trace uh, Jackson Davis, I don't know if you got to see any of his game tonight or not. Um, I thought he looked rusty. You know, when, when you have a hamstring, you're not out uh, playing your endurance. But, boy, I tell you, I think once he gets his legs, I think he's going to have a chance to, to have a role. I don't think he's going to be a, a super uh, star, but he did some nice things in, in, in the pick-and-roll game. I thought he did some nice things blocking shots uh, in the segment. Again, I didn't see every minute of his game, uh, but I, I like uh, what I see. W- what do you think of summer league basketball as the in, in the NBA? Do you watch a lot of it, uh, and, and what are your takeaways from it? I have I saw some of the stats from I have not watched that game, but I do watch the summer league some, and I, I think the summer league is very intriguing, right, because it's either guys that have just gotten drafted, guys that are undrafted free agents, or second-year guys that didn't have a big role. And so you got you get guys that are hungry, right? You get guys that have have a meaning to want to want to pass guys up. And I think Trace is honestly, in my opinion, I think Trace is in a good spot, right? He's not going to be relied on to do too much if he can find a role, right? You got Clay, you got Steph, you got Draymond. I think you got Chris Paul now. Like you need to be a rim protector. You need to run the floor. You need to get offensive rebounds, and you need to dunk it if you get any time. So. He, I think he can fit that role really, really well. I did see he's in double figures tonight, which is good to see. Um, you can comment more on the X's and O's part because you've probably watched a little bit. I haven't tonight. Um, but I, I'm excited to see if he can get that role because I think he could fit in well there. So uh, both of those players are doing well in the summer league. I want to talk a little bit about the press conference today. Trey Galloway uh, come out. I got a couple questions for you. But I really liked a couple things. One, you know, he's looking forward to now he's a senior. He's been there. Uh, this will be his fourth year. I think he has a COVID year still, I believe. Um, but he talked about using that uh, for leadership. You, ha- you lost Race Thompson. You lost Miller Cop, You lost Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, you have Xavier Johnson coming back. But Trey Galloway's been there uh, long enough, and, and he wants to become a leader of the program. Um, and he's a coach's kid. So you're, you are a coach's kid. What kind of things do does Trey bring to Indiana from uh, that standpoint of, of, of being a coach's kid? Well, you have a good IQ of the game. Like, any coach's kid has a good IQ of the game. And, that, and you can tell that by the way he plays, right? Yeah, he might not have been a leader on last year's team, but Trey always does the little things. One of my favorite quotes Coach Lansing always put on the board at Indiana State was, dominate the details right? That's diving on the floor for 50-50 balls. That's make, getting your team extra possessions. So yeah, everybody's in the press conference. is usually Jalen Huchofino and Trace Jackson Davis because they scored all the points. But IU's not a four seed. IU is not in half the games that they were in if it's not for a guy like Trey Galloway. And, and that goes back to him being a coach's kid because coaches, coaches kids have an edge to them. They have some toughness to them. And those are the kind of players I like. That's what, that's what I like. And we want to welcome Jared Morris. Uh, welcome to the show. Brent and I are just out here having a father-son conversation, which everyone's watching. It's kind of, been kind of fun, but we're glad you joined us. How you doing this evening? I'm good. Spoken like a true coach's kid, Brent. <laughs> Absolutely. 
But I, I'm I, just I really... here like everybody else to hear a live rendition of this. Shafino! Have you guys done that yet? Shafino! Shafino! Yeah. Uh, that, that was a fun evening, wasn't it, Brent? If we can remember it. It, it was a blast. And Trey Galloway had a lot to do with it being a blast, too. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. So the, the other things, uh, if you didn't have a chance to go watch the, the press conference from Trey, I, I know most of, of our listeners will do that or have already done that. But he talked about improving his shooting. And the one thing that really he needed to focus on was a high follow-through or holding the follow-through and getting the ball up. He thought his shot was a little flat earlier in his career. And, and he gave um, – uh, credit to w- Coach Walsh and Coach Hulls for helping him out. And that leads going to lead us into our second segment here with uh, trainers and coaches and how they help players uh, get better in the in the offseason. But I was just really impressed with what I heard from uh, Trey today. Jared, did you have a chance to, to watch that and, and your thoughts on, on Trey Galloway? I did. Um, my biggest takeaway was I just thought he showed incredible self-awareness. Um, I thought, you know, understanding – what was going to be expected of him this year that is different from last year, um, both as a player and then as a leader. And as a guy steps into his senior season and takes on more of that leadership role along with Xavier Johnson, because I think it's pretty clear those are going to be the guys who are the, the vocal leaders and the leaders by example. That's what you want to hear. And it's not surprising because it's Trey and this is kind of what we've come to expect from him. But you know, there was a self-awareness, but also kind of a self-assuredness, too. Like, it wasn't like he was hoping to do these things. Like, these are things that he's going to do and get better at uh, because the team needs it. And I think, you know, to Brent's point, you know, Trey is, you know, at Indiana, he's kind of like water. You know, he just flows into whatever you need him to, you know, like whatever the gap is. It's like we needed a shooter last year. Trey becomes a 40% three-point shooter. You know, you need someone to, to pick up a tough defensive assignment. Uh, even if it, if it's against a super athlete like Jaden Ivey, he'll find a way to do it and, you know, succeed in it. And so it's not that he's perfect. You know, we know what some of Trey's shortcomings are. Um, and those are all things that he seems, you know, really ready to, to try and improve. You know, it's funny, you know, we always talk about roles and minutes and all this stuff. And, you know, the first instinct is always to kind of squeeze Trey out because another guy right. might seem more exciting or this guy has more NBA potential. But I think, you know, coach, we did that minutes projection episode and we're just we're done doing that this year. Like Trey's going to play. He's going right. to get his minutes and he should. And, you know, and he's earned that. He's earned that respect. And, you know, he comes by it you know, through hard work and just being an ultimate team guy. And there's a reason fans love him, and the re- there's a reason coaches love him and his teammates love him. He's a winner. And he is. He is a winner. He, uh, You know, we as fans get caught up in the explosive stats. Um, and, and when you're a glue guy and you do all the little things, you don't have a lot of those explosive stats. You don't have those big 25-point games or, or the, you know, necessarily super highlight plays. But – you know, then it's easy to dismiss him because, oh, in talk of the good shooter, we need a good shooter. Well, then where, who's going to, whose minutes are, are he, is he going to take? You're going to take Trey Galloway's, but um, Trey is going to be an essential part. And I think that showed uh, again to all of us that uh, might've been excited about all the transfers coming in and who, and all the pieces that we have a pretty good piece coming back in, in Trey Galloway. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared, anything else uh, on the um, who's your headlines you'd like to talk before we head into segment two? Um, yeah, just a few impressions of Trace's first performance. Oh yeah, uh, we, in we summer league. Very little about it, but go ahead. Yeah, you know it was. I'm looking at it right now. There's still you know seven and a half minutes left in the game. Twelve point seven boards. He's played eighteen minutes. Um, I didn't. I haven't gotten to watch you know beyond the first half because I was putting my son to bed. So I know he's on a mince restriction. 
Um, so I don't know if he'll get back in to get his double double, uh, which is, you know, Trace plays basketball. You just assume he's going to get a double double. But, you know, I thought I, I saw what I expected from him, which is a guy who hasn't played basketball in a while, was a little sluggish. Like he missed three bunnies early. But I thought his first possession, it was great. His first possession showed what's going to get him on the floor in the NBA. And it had nothing to do with scoring. You know, he was out there. He was just setting as many picks as he could, going from man-to-man setting picks. Uh, but, you know, he realized on one of those that the way that his man was playing him, he just slipped the screen and got a pass. And instead of trying to force it, had a beautiful wraparound pass to whoever it was for a wide-open layup. That is going to work in the Golden State Warriors offense, you know? And so he, I thought he really showed just even early on, a good awareness of what his role needs to be in that offense, and then goes right down on the other end and gets a block shot. And that was his first possession of the game. And so, you know, doing those kinds of things and getting rebounds are what is going to get him on the court early. Uh, and then, you know, as he gets better, obviously he's going to get more comfortable finishing. And I just thought after a couple minutes in that, you know, first quarter, he just looked tired, like a guy who probably hasn't yeah. played a lot in a while. Um but, yeah, I liked what I saw uh, from him early on. And it's very clear that, you know, they have high hopes for him. And that's why they took it slow with him in summer league. Um, but he's going to have every opportunity to be a rotation guy from day one if he seizes it. And that's the kind of stuff he's got to do. You know, and, and it's interesting because you think back to Trace's first few years. And, you know, I don't know that you would necessarily say he was a guy that always played with a high basketball IQ. It seemed a lot like he was thinking more than just playing instinctively. And what I saw tonight in just those few minutes was a guy who was just instinctively doing the stuff that he needs to do in that system from screening and cutting and passing and his improvement in those areas. I mean, it's just been so much fun to watch. And, you know, I mean, he even looked a little bit more adept at it tonight. So I, uh, you know, anything I think that you would want to see from him in a first game where he hadn't played in a while. I and thought he came saw. in, he came in as an athlete and he left as a basketball player Yeah, and he'll be a better basketball player when he adds that shot um, yep. And they'll be working on it. And a lot of pros come in with, you know, questionable sh- shots. But he did, he did look like he belonged, other than his legs <laughs> and, yeah, and his right. st- and his stamina, right? Yeah, so, which is fine. You know, and that's yeah. it's the same thing that happened with Victor Wembanyama in Game One. You know, yes. it was just you know, and if you haven't played in a while, you're probably going to miss some of those bunnies and just some of those little things because you're a little off balance and you're just not in the flow. You know, and so I, you know, I would never want to overreact negatively on summer league for a guy that you that you know can do it and that's a thing you know from trace i think you saw some of the things that you wanted to see and some of the other stuff i would just chalk up mostly to being rusty and just being a little out of shape absolutely it's nice seeing those guys play both him and hood shafino uh playing Mm -hmm. and yeah it just means volumes for for the indiana program but all right coming up on assembly call radio we'll discuss how college basketball players train in the offseason we're going to talk with brent uh some more who is getting his firsthand experience as a skills trainer himself with compete training academy so stick with us here on the assembly call All right. Very good. Welcome, Summer everyone. League for college basketball. That's what we need. Summer I saw League that for college you throw basketball. that idea out there. It would be great. It, Don't you think? I mean, with his, you know, with how much movement there in there is with rosters, let the freshmen, the sophomores, and the transfers have the option to play and the walk-ons so you can fill in a full roster. Go to a cool location for a week. You know, you can opt in or opt out. Maybe one year you don't want to do it because you have a veteran-laden team, and that's fine. 
you know, but get the exposure, let the players get in on the TV money. I mean, I just think it'd be awesome. I mean, because you yeah. see the, the attention that Summer League and the NBA gets, and I think you would get a similar kind of curiosity in college basketball. Like, ooh, let me see these freshmen play a little bit. Well, why not just have the have teams be able to play exhibitions in the summer? You see teams go overseas. Yeah. You, you see that that you can get, you know, and, and leagues can pop up. And, you know, it's about giving kids um, – I know they're getting paid now, but um, experiences. So you're going to go – you know, to Orlando and play for a week, and you're going to get three games. And and coaches will use that to just to let kids play. And they weren't they're not going to put in their offense or their defense or anything like that, but put them in concepts, and you can see how how teams play after you know maybe late July after you've had some time to work with your with your new squad. Uh, yep. It's a TV bonanza, you know, when you when you think about it. Um, Indiana, you know, playing UCLA in a summer league game. It'd be uh, so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a blast. Yeah. Summer league an appetite post-game shows. So, summer league post-game shows. <laughs> oh, you know it. If there's a game, we're doing a post-game show. If there's a pickup game in Bloomington and they broadcast it, we would do a post-game show for it. That's fine. <laughs> I see it from that standpoint. Like, the excitement would be there. Uh, and it would be good for experience purposes. I, I don't know if the coaches would want their stud freshmen to necessarily be on film or anything. I don't know. I don't know how they would – I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, like we do it in high school. You just went yeah. to team camp and played, yeah, we, you know, eight, nine about games. games in June. I know you're not – there's no film or anything like right. that, but teams that are on your roster could be there and watch and yeah. know who's playing. And, and a lot of high school teams play in leagues. Monday night yeah, you go, tr- go to the Taylor League or whatever and play. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Nope, I think that would be pretty good. All right. Um so, you know, Rob Finnessy worked out with uh, Compete Training. Uh, Brent wasn't able to be at that workout. Um, I saw that. He has, he has um, come up and, and, and worked. So it's a pretty interesting gig that this Jordan Delks and, and what, what he's trying to do and, and get as many, you know, young guys. Yeah. They had um, Taylor Parsons. Brent's going to talk about this a little bit. They had Taylor Parsons who played at Purdue. He's from Kokomo here. He played at Ball he's, State. Yeah, he played at Ball State, sorry. Um, and he's overseas. And then you had Tyreek Key, who was at Tennessee and Indiana State. And then who was the other, the third one? Evan Maxwell. He played at Indiana Wesleyan and then played a year at Kansas. I don't think he played too much the year at Kansas, but he still played at Kansas. And now he's so they, So those three were working out, and they had a, a one-on-one competition. And, and I, I think I retreated or retweeted the, um, the, the little battle there. But that, that – I tell you what, these workouts are fun to to witness, and Brent gets to do it on a on a daily basis. So mm-hmm. we'll um we'll see what uh, young blood can say here. You guys ready? Let's talk about it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the assembly call. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with Jared Morris, and I'm here uh, with Brent Tonsoni as we get ready to discuss some summer workouts and some uh, basketball training 
skill training in in the off season. But first of all, a few uh, back home network items. A new podcast is coming out uh, on the Pacers. It's called Right Up Meridian, hosted by Scott Caulfield and Tody Andrania. So search for that. Uh, look for that in the back home network. Uh, our friends over at Doing the Work are, uh, are just doing an outstanding job. Have had had. A lot of good interviews this summer in our community feed. Uh, go find it in your favorite podcast feed. Uh, and we'll be soon talking to uh, Josh from uh, Who's Your Ticket Project. So uh, a lot and of And they just talked on. with Lene Beaumont, incoming freshman yes. Lene Beaumont as well. Uh, that, and, so. and that's in the feed. So um, yeah. make sure you check out uh, our friends there at Doing the Work. As I said earlier in the banner moment, the women uh, selling season tickets and the program is just absolutely you know, so Jeff and Kathy, keep up the, the good work, and we appreciate what you do for, for us. Uh, and so let's get into the, the basketball t- uh, training. And uh, if you were in the community, you saw a video that I put out recently, or you can go watch a video where I went to Compete Training Academy, and, and the owner, uh, Jordan Delks, he and his wife, um, who was a Miss Basketball in 2010, Miss Basketball in the state of Indiana, Oh, wow. That's their business, and they have a, a couple barns, literal barns, where they train college and, and pro athletes, and it's it's grown over the last 12 years since they've been uh, out of college. And they've asked Brent, and, and Jordan is originally from Rossville, where Brent coaches and Brent played high school basketball. So Brent has been asked uh, this summer to, to go along and help out uh, uh, with the, the training. And so we're going to talk about it because it's about improvement. We want Indiana Hoosiers to get better but the thing is, every college athlete is getting better to some extent. And there are really three components to getting better. It is the organized team practice. Uh, it is the access to your school gym through a key card where you go and you get up shots on your own. And then a lot of college athletes are hiring uh, trainers, basketball skill trainers, more than weight trainers or, or those things. We had a good question about nutrition coming up. But it's not strength and conditioning training. It is basketball skill training. And they do that outside of those other two two options. So when you're wondering how Trey Galloway can get better, uh, how Xavier can get better, there are multiple ways that these college kids can get better. And it is not just the two-hour practice or whatever is allowed by the NCAA. So the first question I have for you, Brent, is uh, basketball is a positionless game anymore. Everyone has to do everything. So what elements of your training that you and, and Jordan do that are universal or there for all the players? And what are some specific ones based on bigs versus smalls that you've been a part of here this summer? So what what I really appreciate about what Jordan does and is we, we do a lot of the basics. Like just because we're working out pros and college athletes doesn't mean we go away from the basics. Um, it's a warm-up drill, but we always start with ball handling whether it's two ball, one one ball, whatever, we always start with ball handling. And then we also do some ball handling on the move because you got, I mean, yeah, stationary ball handling is good for a warm-up, but in the game, you're not going to just be sitting there dribbling the ball, right? You're get, you got to go on the move. So we do a lot of ball handling on the move, you know, zigzag crossovers, all sorts of things. And that's what we – first five, ten minutes is always ball handling, and that goes for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a guard, big, whatever. Um, and another thing that has been really interesting is you mentioned positionless basketball. And in the last two years, you know, I have really come to appreciate the positionless basketball. It do, I don't care if you're the starting point guard or the starting center. Most of the time you need to shoot. You know, I, I've said, I said to one of my buddies, buddies a couple weeks ago, I said, 20 years ago, 
Zach Eady is a top five lottery pick. And this year he's told that he has to go back to Purdue because he can't make it in the league. It's just a fact because he's, he's one of the most dominant players in college basketball, but he, he can't guard a pick and roll as we saw with Jalen and Trevino and he can't shoot consistently outside. So that's Chifino! just, <laughs> sorry. That's just, an, that's just an example. <laughs> so all of our players shoot the basketball. I know in a conversation with my dad, we had a seven, three, um, seven, three center from Stony Brook, Rocco Muratori, and we shoot threes with him. We do post work with him, but we also shoot a lot of threes because we think it's that important that, yeah, he's seven, three, but it's important to be a stretch five. So we, we do some guards and bigs and, you know, our bigs do the mic and drill sometimes as a warm-up drill and, and some layups and some post work back to the basket type stuff. But most of our stuff is positionless. Most We can put two guards and two bigs in the same workout and do the same stuff because we think it's that important that they all do everything. Man, I love that the mic and drill is still being used. Just yeah. a classic, yep. a classic drill that's it's been used <laughs> Hey, let me ask you about the shooting. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you're working with a guy on shooting, like, is your goal just to be there to help them, you know, get up shots and, like, motivate them? Or are you actually working on technique? And if so, do you have any communication with their college coaches about stuff like that where you're actually, like, changing something about what they do? So – what I've come to find out with the like, if we started with a kid like in second grade, obviously we could work on tech, technique and form and all that stuff. A very interesting thing that Jordan told me is he did a study on the top twenty shooters. It was either currently in the NBA or maybe of all time. I, I don't remember, but top twenty shooters, and almost all of them shoot a different way. Mm-hmm. So, when you make it to that level, when you are a D one player, a professional basketball player. We don't go and, and quote-unquote, fix your shot. What we focus on is four, I think, yeah, four things that need to be consistent no matter how you shoot. So we won't go in there and be like, you shoot this way, we need to make it that way. But what we preach is your hands have to be ready on the shot. If, if you are not ready, and some of you might have seen the, him explain this in the, uh, the video that's in the community, but you have to have your hands ready. You can't be standing straight up you got to be in an athletic stance. you got to shoot up, not out. Too many of our clients, mm-hmm. even the pros, when they miss and they miss short, they shoot out, not up. So that's a quote. That's a comment we always make is shoot up, not out, and then stick the landing. You shouldn't be fading left or right or back. You should be landing right where you jumped from, and you need to hold your follow-through. So those are kind of the things that we always keep consistent, but we don't necessarily go and fix the way they shoot. And in terms of if we contact coaches, not very often. We don't really have that much. We know that some coaches really respect what we do. Uh, the main one that respects what we do, I probably shouldn't mention his name on this podcast. So <laughs> use your imagination on who that is. But So we know that people respect what we do, and they trust that their players are coming to work out with us. But we don't necessarily – we will have open communication with the players themselves, like, hey, what's coach thinking, or what do you think you need to work on? and all that stuff, but we don't necessarily have a direct conversation that often with their coach itself. Well, now, if it were me and I was running a training program and a Purdue player came in, I would try and mess with a shot. You know, like maybe you should cross your legs on your shot. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. steer him in the wrong direction. That's that wouldn't hardest, be good for business, though. That's been the hardest part for me this summer, to be honest with you, Jared, is that I've had to put the rivalry aside quite a bit. 
but hey, you know really, what though? We're all basketball people first, so I get yes, it. You know, it you're is. in there working with a dude, help him become the best player he can be. And it's I'm, really, I'm totally it's really good experience. And I, I actually told Jordan the other day that if one of our clients scores 40 points, but I, you still wins, I'll be really happy. Because I'm actually pretty good friends with that, that guy now. So, <laughs> so one of the things about the up and not out that I liked when I was talking with Jared and Brent, Brent does a good job of taking his old man with him to some of these workouts is to keep the ball tight. Uh, and, and you're more likely to shoot it up uh, if the ball's tight to your body. And in, in the community video, he, he mentioned um, KD shoots from the, he brings the ball up from the left side, but it's tight. So that, that's an example of what Brent's yeah. talking about that the trainers can do three things, get ready to shoot, Get the ball in a good position, you know, hands ready, feet ready. Uh, you know, the core strength stuff in the in the video that that JD talked about was really important too. But keep it tight and shoot the ball up. Um, and then the stick your landing, uh, Brent. I'll have Brent talk about this too. They they traveled up to Northwestern um, to work out the Barnheiser kid, and um, JD sent me some some video and said, hey, take a look at his shot and and let's talk about it. And so we, we talked about it, and what J.D. decided to really emphasize, I think, Brent, if I'm right, is stick the landing. Like, he was really big on, you know, this Barnheiser kid just sticking the landing. So it, it's, it's, it's really crazy because you think that you hire a basketball trainer and they're going to go all this analytical and this technique and this angle and, and fix and break down a shot, but it's really about basics. Be ready to shoot, keep the ball tight, get the ball up, hold a follow-through, and stick your landing. But he says that, even some of the guys that come back from Europe need to be reminded of that and not, and they know it, but it's getting them to do it consistently under game, um, you know, game conditions, I think is, is one of the interesting things that, that I heard. And, I just and, like and the Brent, idea of, I like the idea of sticking with the fundamentals that work for everybody and letting guys right. be the shooter that they are. You know, some guys are more comfortable with a high shot. You know, everybody's a little bit different, um, but working on those fundamentals that everybody that you can always go back to, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And, and the other thing that I think is really cool is we can tell whether a shot's going in or not before the ball leaves the player's hand. Mm -hmm. We can just because of all of those things I mentioned before, you can tell it, Jordan does it all the time. He says good, like it's going to go in before it leaves their hand and it's nothing right. but net switch. So we, it's all of that preparation before your shot that makes the shot go in and I truly believe that and honestly when I started at Rossville I probably wouldn't have thought that but working with Jordan has really taught me some of those other things that need, need to be happening before you even shoot the ball well and the other really underrated thing about shooting is getting a good pass you know yes. where the pass is right into where you know where you need it so you can go up quickly when you guys are working guys out is everybody individual or do you have guys working together so maybe one guy's working on the pass and the other guy's working on the shot like how, do, how does that setup work we we do a mix of things um there's yeah. times where we put them through live game actions where the trainer uh, another buddy of mine there's usually three of us or two counting jordan that do this, that where the trainer's passing and another person might be setting a screen but we also do drills where you know, um, there's two, it's a two person drill where you might come off a ball screen and work on your pick and pop pass or work on your pick and roll pass. And, and I, I like those drills better in my opinion, because it's game like all around. It's not just game like on your shot. It's game like with your pass, you know, how tight do you come off a screen? 
all sorts of that, all sorts of things like that. I love those yeah. drills. So we do a mix of both of those. And so how, Brent, what do you think is the percentage breakdown between just like doing catch and shoot with a guy where they're stationary and shooting on the move and getting guys to work off screens and off movement? I would say the majority of the time we do live game actions. Um, the stationary shooting is usually more at the start of the workout where he calls them volume shots. We're going to get our quick volume shots up where we'll get a quick 50 around the five spots just to get some shots up and get you loose. But then when we really get to the, the heat of our workout, it's all live game actions, live game actions, live game actions. It's things that you can take to your team's practice, to your team's games, and it'd be beneficial because stationary shooting is fine. You get your reps in, but that's not going to teach you how to score the basketball and shoot the basketball in the game. So we're really big on those live game actions. Unless you play for Indiana, right, Coach? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a whole that's a whole separate conversation. That may change I, this season. So I've been able to to watch Brent at work a, a couple of times, and and one of the times they had a, um, the seven three kid from Stony Brook. They had Kaufman ran in from from Purdue. And an example of what you asked is they were doing back screen step outs. Um, mm. You know, so if you back screen step out one to the right, back screen fade to the left, uh, and they were running their bigs through that, uh, those are actions. On the other hand, and they had guards coming off ball screens, snaking into the lane and, and, and hitting up uh, jump shots. I think they had um, – we had a kid, uh, Hunter from uh, Butler, who played at Purdue, was in it that night. Mason Gillis was in that time, and a couple local kids that were at smaller schools. So there were six, three bigs and three guards that at the at the one time, and, and they're all a lot of movement. Uh, if it's not game specific, it's moving, like sprint to the end of the court, sprint up uh, so that you are getting you know fourth quarter shots or second half shots yeah. uh, uh, with endurance. Brent, talk a little bit about. Uh, there's a lot of making in a row or scoring or, or drills where it really focuses on the mental aspect of concentration. And, and sometimes the, the drill just keep going until someone either wins or whatever. I, I loved when I, I watched that this summer. Yeah, we do a lot of things on the mental side, and I can get into more of that stuff uh, as, as we go on. But in terms of making a lot of shots in a row, right, if you just have someone stick in the corner and say, you got to make five shots, and then you can go to the next spot, right? You can make five shots out of 20. And that doesn't, and then you move on, right? So we do a lot of three in a row or even two in a row where you have to really uh, focus in on making multiple shots in a row. And what that does to your mental side is, okay, yeah, you could make two and then miss one and your percentage is still really good, but you can't move on. And that's huge with our mental side. We do a uh, drill called the Kobe drill where you have to hit a free throw. It's transition threes. You have to hit a free throw, run to the left side of half court, come back, hit a three, run to the middle of half court, come back, hit a three, run to the right side of half court, come back, and hit a three. And that's a drill we usually end the workout with a lot of times. And the, the workout's not done until you hit all four. You got to mm -hmm. hit all four and the workout's not done because it's where you've already worked out for an hour. You're tired. Got to hit shots. Under four timeout, I use playing Kansas. Who's going to hit the big shot? at the under four timeout. It's all about that mental fatigue, which is another thing about that's really game-like that I like what we do. Create some pressure. I like yes. that. Pressure. They also, Absolutely. when you, the one, one day they had the three bigs and then the bigs had to hit five in a row. Yep. So now you can work with teammates too. Like the pressure's on, like if you don't help your teammate hit five in a row from, from three on your back screen step outs or whatever, that's another thing that Jordan does and Brent, they do with their players is you got three guys, you got, or maybe it's six in a row or something. And they'll, 
I saw 15 minutes until they, they hit. They can't move on until they get that done. Um, and so there's some encouragement. There's some challenge uh, between the players. These are players from different schools. Um, I, I, I love the way uh, they've added that makes in a row uh, to, to uh, basketball. Uh, and that's basketball what we training. did in our, in our workout in Carmel Monday where we had the Parsons kid, the Tyreek Key, and the Evan Maxwell kid. Is They were in a group, all three of them. They had to go five spots, and they had to make three in a row from three in one minute, five spots. So you couldn't move spots until you hit three in a row as a group. So each player had to hit one. So now you have to count on your teammates, right? And and that was – it took us a little bit, but we finally got it. And and he's he's big on, on you know, fighting through. We're getting out of the spot. Believe that you're getting out of the spot. Um, and, and he constantly keeps reminding them as they're struggling through all that stuff. Some good stuff. Good, good, good stuff. I do. I do want to um, ask you about the one-on-one. Um, it seems like you guys do a, a lot of one-on-one. Why do you do that? And what's the benefit of after you've done some shooting workouts to then go one-on-one, either big versus big, or or guards, or like you had the other day, you had two perimeters and a big or a bigger kid, a forward, uh, in a one-on-one battle. Well, what I, what I liked about that one-on-one is yeah, you had two guards and you had two and you had a big right. So for the big. You had to guard two tough guards, two guards that are just flat out good and can make moves. And, and it teaches you how to guard those guys. You know, what What happens if you get switched onto a point guard? Like, are you just going to give up or are you, you going to get stopped? So it teaches that guy how to guard. But it's also nice for our guards to guard a big guy. And 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 what I love about our high-level workouts, and I love working at Rossville and coaching at Rossville, this brings me back to when I was a manager at Indiana State because they just compete. And that, that's actually Jordan's motto at it's Compete Train Academy. But they just flat out go out there and they, they don't want to lose. And and just to – so you finish the workout, right? You get all your shots in, and now you want to go out there and win. And if you if you don't win, you leave pissed off. <laughs> and, and it is just so fun to watch. That's just when I just sit down and I take notes on how to do that because that is, that is what I love the most about it. And, and it's they, – they want to do it because they love that competitive side that they might not necessarily always get in the workout. And, and what's interesting to me um, is, is that these are kids that are getting ready to go overseas and play. I mean, they're not playing in the summer league. Their, their NBA is probably not going to materialize unless something just really falls their way. But they're, they're making good money over there, but they still want to be good. And, that, and that's something that I, I want to uh, talk to, to Brent about too is like these – College athletes, this is a job. One of the things I've learned this summer is it's not just about the practice time. It's not just about having access by a key card to Cook Hall. It is a full-time job that if you want to be good at your trade, you've got to put in time. And a lot of people are now going and seeing the the, the coaching, the mental aspect uh, of that too. But your your impression, Brent, of the of the people you're training – and their attitudes about being trained and being coached um, and being pushed. Because sometimes you guys get on them a little bit, uh, and if they're not working hard, I know J.D. has even told people to take a week off because you're until you're ready to work hard. Uh, it's not just, you know, I'm going to take your money type of deal. But your impression of, of these young men who I've seen have not been the stud athletes, right? They're, they're the, the, the fifth, sixth, seventh man in, in major D1 basketball or kids trying to go overseas and play. But your impression of, of how hard they want to work and their attitudes that you've seen this summer in your first year? 
yeah, you, you don't get to that level if you don't have a work ethic, right? You can't just go, especially for our college athletes, you, you can't just go the two to three hours that your college coach is going and just call it a day. You can't if you, if you want to be good, if you want to be good. If you are just fine with having your name on the back of a jersey and not worried about your time, then, yeah, you can go home and do whatever. But you got to do extra work. You got to come in and shoot extra. You got to go in with the trainer. You got to lift, right? I We did an hour and a half workout on Monday, and I was asking Taylor Parsons, what you on the rest of the day? First thing he said is, I'm on my way to Plant Fitness. I'm going to get lifted. Like, so here he is just finishing an hour and a half workout, and then he's going to go get a lift in, and then he's going to probably go get shots up later that night, you know? And, and so it is – and I learned that in college uh, that, you know, it is a full-time gig, and it, 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 it just is, and you better know what you're getting yourself into if, if you want to make it. And now when you go overseas, right, my buddy Tyreek, he's going to Germany. He's going to be there. He said he's only going to be home in June and July. He's going to be there for 10 months. He says they practice every day if they're not playing. So it's you got to love it. You got to want to work at it or you're not going to make it. And it's just as simple as that. So hmm. you, you have a couple good stories from Monday's workout. One, you got to kind of beep out with the, the Parsons kid. He had to make a certain amount in a row and he, he missed the first segment or something. And then he came to you and, and what, what did he say? This will show you how competitive these guys are. Yeah, he looked, he looked right at me. He missed one. He, they had to make four in a row. First to make four in a row, whatever we were doing. I can't remember it on top of my head, but you had to make four in a row. And Parsons got really, really mad because he missed two in a row, I think. And he just looked at me and he said, I'm not missing another one with an expletive in there. Right. <laughs> He's like, I'm not missing another one. He's like, watch, just watch. I just started laughing and he made four in a row. And, and, and that is the other mental side of it that I've learned from Jordan is if you tell yourself you can do something, odds are you can do it. Like I, I worked out one of our middle schoolers at Rossville. We're talking about all these high levels. I was working out a middle schooler at Rossville <laughs> today, and I heard him mumble under his breath, I can't hit a shot. So I got on him. I was like, well, if you tell yourself you can't hit a shot, you never will hit a shot. So then in the other aspect, Taylor Persons is telling me, I'm not missing another shot. And he didn't miss <laughs> another awesome. shot. So the mindset and you believing in yourself is half, I think, more than half the battle to be a good player. What was Tyreek's stats on that? Um, didn't he hit like 29 or 30 threes in, in one segment? Or he, that, um... uh, he had to make 10 threes in a row and then 10 pull-ups to the right and to the left in a row. And he did it all. He was, t he was 30 for 30, row. wasn't he? No, not he missed a couple, but it was not – like he got the threes in a row, 10 in a row. I think he missed a couple pull-ups, but not very many. So it had to have been like 30 out of 34, 30 out of 35, something around there. And I'm guessing this is the thing that would probably surprise the regular fan more than anything watching a workout like this is a guy – I mean, you know, Tyreek was a really good college player. But probably what he shoot, 35, 36% from three, something like that. Something you know? like that, yeah. He was a but then you see him in a workout, and he's probably making like 80% of his yeah. shots. He was you know? the, I mean, these guys my, are so good. He was the easiest player to rebound for ever when I was in college. <laughs> just stand under the basket? I just had to stand there on their basket <laughs> and throw it back to him. Yeah. It, it, was, it was incredible. So, so here's, some, here's a question going into that. We, we've established that these guys work hard. You've done the, some physical things. You, you, the, the basics are there, the, the mindset. Um, but IU uh, grad Mark asked this. I'm curious in general how big this offseason training has become. Uh, so let's let's start there. Um, 
how many clients do you think uh, JD has? And I know he's trying to establish more. That's why he's traveling to Northwestern and and doing all that. And when when is your prime season for for this? Obviously, it's got to be in the, in not in the college season. But as trainers, when is the is the big time period for you guys? Well, I it, I would definitely say the summer months because yeah yeah those college players um, have their summer stuff, but it's not as consistent as the season. And so you can still fit your college guys in there two, three days a week. And also for your overseas guys, June and July is when they're home. So the summer months are when you really go, 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 go. Uh, And obviously as a teacher and a coach myself, I don't work with Jordan during the season anyway. So I can't really answer how busy he is in the summer or I mean, not in the summer, in the season. Um, but I would definitely think that the off season and the, and the summer months are probably your most heavy hitting months. And do you have another question in there? Yeah. Or, it, let me, it, um, well, Hey coach, let me kind of reframe Mark's yeah. question a little bit. What percentage of college players would you say use a trainer yes. in the summer? Ooh, I, based I on your best guess. Yeah. I think it's definitely more than 50% at this point. Like, I, I think, I, I don't know, I don't know because I only work with the few that Jordan works out, but there's way more Jordan Delks out there too. Like, there's so many out there, and this is starting to become the new norm that, I, I mean, I think it's way, I th- it might be way more than 50%, to be honest with you. But that's yeah, honestly, I wonder if, just a guess. I would, I would bet that that will grow too for a couple of reasons. One, guys will have more money with NIL to be able to mm-hmm. spend, but also players can work with agents now. And a lot of times agents pay money for trainers. So, you know, I would imagine that you'll start to see more and more of that as college players now have those opportunities, Yeah, I would think. And it's definitely gotten bigger. You know, you used to just see where players would go in and shoot on their own, and they still do that. Don't get me wrong. They still do that. But here in the last – I know Jordan's been doing this training thing for 12 years, but I don't – it wasn't this big 12 years ago. It's really starting to get bigger with the higher level – I mean, I see NBA players all the time that have trainers. How much of the like the program that you put together for a guy is customized, right? Like, do they come to you saying, "I want to get better at this, this, and this," or they do they come to you say, "I'm going to pay you. You make me better at what you think I need to get better at." From the or I want to do your I, program as it is. Yeah, from the workouts that I've been a part of this summer, we typically hit home on the same concepts. Um, now I'm not always around for since Jordan's the main guy. I'm not yeah. always around for those conversations. But I know that we have always hit home on the same, same stuff. So I would say more that it's we need to get them right. We need to get them better. We need to keep them in shape, in basketball shape, when they're not necessarily with their teams. And and we hone in on the same stuff. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, when I talked to, to J.D. and he had the film of the, of the Barnheiser kid, he, he was he was looking for things that would – in those four fundamentals that you talked about. You know, he was looking for those things that he wants to keep simple. So when he's going to, you know, if he's going to try to help someone in some area, it's probably going to be which part of the fundamentals does is this person uh, weak at, um, which is, is, is pretty interesting. But the time off, there is no time off. Like kids come home for Christmas and they're going to get go get shots up. Like they can't take three or four days off. They got to take shots off. The, the Muratori kid – uh, worked all summer, every day, I think almost six days a week, I think. Six days a week. It took Sundays uh, And then he just drove back to Long Island um, from West Lafayette uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but when he's back in Lafayette on any time off, he's going to compete training academy. And, and he comes and, back and for two that. weeks in August and he's working with Jordan. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
And is in the last part of Mark's question, is there any thought of whether kids need a small break to to recharge? Um, is yeah. that uh, a long period of time, or are you talking like one day a week? If if you're at this level, D one pro level, can you afford to take long periods of time off? In your opinion, I don't think you can. In my opinion, I don't think you can take long periods of time. I think if you want to take a day, it's good on your body. Uh, so a day is not necessarily going to go from you being in a pro and not being a pro, but I don't think you can take much time off. If you want to be the player you want to be, you got to constant, you got to constantly work on your craft, constantly work on your game. And even, even a light day, I think is more beneficial than a day off. Like, yeah. okay. So we're, you know, there's, there have been days with CTA where they've been like going at each other for, three days in a row. Okay. So now we have just about maybe a 40 minute stationary shooting day. That's, that's more of a day off. Yeah. Then just take, that's the big off. thing I realized uh, in, in talking to Jordan this summer and you working there and taking me there is the amount of time that these D one uh, athletes have to put in and these pro athletes, it's a job, it's their nine to five job. Um, and it's not just, um, you know, high school where you go to school and you practice three to five and then you go home and do homework. I mean, it, it it's, it's, uh, if you're going to be good, you need to be, um, my, and my thought on that work. and correct me, correct me if, if this is wrong, Brent, but I would think, you know, it's, it's different. Like what you do in the season is, I mean, it's going to be much more physical having practices and games with your college team. There's a lot more pressure obviously, because I mean, practices, you know, so pressure filled to get playing time games are so, you know, in the summer, even though you're still putting your body through workouts, it's less physical contact and the mental strain is different. Like you're manufacturing some pressure inside of the practice, but it's not the pressure of Mike Woodson barking at you and you have to do that to get on the court, right. you know, to make it to the NBA. So I, I would think, you know, for a basketball player, you want to get out there and play basketball. You want to get reps. This is keeping your body kind of in shape, but it's not the same physical and mental toll. So to me, like this... I mean, you know, for any basketball player, I would think this is a break. Um, and like you said, you know, you don't want to overwork your body and, you know, a day off from the real hard stuff here and there is helpful. But I think this is this is a lot different than what you're doing inside of a season and the approach physically and mentally. Yes. And in, in the season, uh, um, you know, I saw guys in the NSA all the time, right? You would have a lift, you would have class, you would have practice, right? You would have treatment and all this stuff. And then a bunch of our guys did come back in and shoot but it would be to get your shooting reps in at night where it might be on the gun or it might be with a manager rebounding. And it's not necessarily hard on your body because of how hard you've been using your body the whole day. So yeah. that's when you might see a lot more of just the stationary shooting just to get your reps in. But when the, the summer is way different than what you will see in November and December and so on. So I, I agree with you hundred percent there. So JD asked Brent, what is the most common things players work on with a trainer that is outside of their program? We've already talked about ball handling. We've already talked about shooting. The one I want to just kind of throw in here for, for JD um, is the mental side of what Compete Training Academy does. Uh, I know you're not necessarily a trainer in that, but he does offer some mental training, including phone calls and meetings and, and film review uh, with players to help them uh, be more positive about themselves off the court and on the court, uh, which is something that I'm 
really proud of, of J.D. Um, and knowing him and coached against him and having him coach you guys in AAU and where he's become as a professional trainer that he is, is concerned about helping them mentally as well. And, and how important is that in the skills getting better, in your opinion? If you would have asked me a couple of years ago, I would have known nothing about it. I would have been like, yeah, you have to believe in yourself. Duh, right? But <laughs> he's now a mindset trainer too, and he has clients that he calls weekly, daily, um, just to help with their mindset. Um, I know, I know um, he's a Purdue guy, but Mason Gillis is one of his clients that he has a daily phone call with Mason Gillis, even during mm-hmm. the season, with talking about his mindset and where he's at. And I think it is absolutely huge. And one thing JD does is uh, he will give a journal to all of his new clients and he will have them write down their goals. It doesn't always have to be basketball. It could be life. But a lot of the times with the clients he has, it's basketball related. You know, where do you want to be? And, and you, need, you need to write them down. And, and he has one of those goals needs to be what he calls a BSAG goal. And what that is, is a big, scary, audacious goal. And what he means by that is you have, you have to dream big, even if it seems so far fetched, right? Even if you're a high school kid and your dreams to play in the NBA, you know, you got to believe it first. You got to write it down. You got to do all that. And, and so he makes one of the goals he writes down a BSAG goal. And that's what he, um, that's what he calls it. And then after you write your goals, he has you lay down, close your eyes and meditate on it for five minutes. And he Hmm. just wants them to, Really, it, it sounds corny at times, but like he wants you to believe in what you can do. And I think that is huge in your performance. And there's a story that I, I don't think I'm going to share on here because I don't think JD would want me to share. But he told me a story about one of his clients where they were struggling and they weren't sure if they wanted to play the game anymore and almost in tears. And then they talked for an hour at breakfast and a couple of days later he had one of the best games of his career. So it's awesome. It's, it's huge. And you never would guess that I would have never guessed that before I worked with Jordan and I, and I will give him so much credit on that aspect of his job is he really dives into you as a person. He dives into your, your mindset and he really wants to help you not only be the best basketball player you can be, but be the best person you can be. And in this summer working with him, that is probably the best thing that I've learned and taken away. That stuff's only corny if you don't buy into it. If you buy into right. it, it can be sure. everything. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And it's, huge. it's a grind. Uh, college basketball is a grind with social media and the fans and everyone likes you. Post-game shows. Post-game talk shows. Um, it, it's, it's a grind. And it's interesting to see that there are people out there that want to help uh, these players uh, get through it. And to tie it into Indiana, you know, that's Calbert Chaney. That's, that's Jordan Hulls now that, that are, have some level of coaching and all the rules. I, I don't get what they can do on the floor as well. But it's player development. That's that piece of, of having that confidant there that has been through it. Uh, before you know and Kelbert talked about how important Mike Woodson was when Kelbert had a struggle when he was a junior right it just came out and, and when Kelbert had his his press conference and how Mike Woodson would call and and helped Kelbert uh, Cheney uh, of all people we all struggle in, in a lot of our areas um, but we we don't sometimes think athletes do 
and, and that kind of component within your programs, which I think Indiana does a really good job of. I, I really, really believe that. I don't have a whole lot of knowledge of the specifics of what they do. But, the you know, it started with Derek Elston and being that ambassador type in the locker room, a voice to be heard uh, for players. That, that stuff helps. Uh, and as you can see in, in a training, basketball skill training, they offer mindset. And, and uh, I know uh, his boss also just does it with CEOs. He has CEOs of, of businesses. He's, he's branched out to there to help uh, with their, their mental approach to, to running their business too. So um, I, I think that's an interesting connection to what Indiana is doing uh, as well. Um, Brent, one last question, and, and I, I know I haven't – heard this from you or, or JD over the summer, but uh, Leslie wanted to know if there's any nutrition plans um, that come up with your training. Um, I know you guys d- take care of the body with with hydration and stretching during your workouts, but do you uh, have any conversations or know of any conver- conversations about nutrition uh, from JD uh, in the summer? I haven't personally been a part of those if he, ha- if he has had nutrition conversations with clients. Um, but you, you did mention it, you know, when, when we are done a lot of times, you know, we take, they take their shoes off they do a lot of stretching, um, to make sure they take care of the body. Um, because that's half the battle. Uh, we stretch before the workout, but we also stretch after the workout and make sure that they are really taking care, care of their body. But in terms of nutrition, I haven't personally done that with anybody this summer. Um, but I'm sure they have plenty of people at their programs that, that, take good care of them on that aspect. Yeah. Hey, Brent, I have a couple more questions for you. Absolutely. One, getting back to the skills development. You know, we've talked about shooting and, you know, some of the other drills that you guys do. How much, if at all, are you working with guys on certain concepts like, you know, pick and rolls, like reading a pick and roll or, you know, for a big man, for a, for a guard? Are you, are you getting into that kind of stuff or is it mostly just individual skill type stuff? We, we do get into the pick and roll stuff. Sometimes when it's in an individual setting, like we might only have two guys, it's, it's hard to um, – and, and that's where the two-on-twos and the three-on-threes, if we have enough guys, really help with being able to read stuff off of those screens because if we're just in, um, in just a two-person workout, sometimes it's hard to make them read it. But what we do is we tell them different reads that they have to do out of that and that's what we work on. And then the hope is when we go into our two-on-twos and three-on-threes at the end of the workout that they take that into live play. Um, yeah. But we definitely do that. And and I said positionless basketball, but we do use our bigs. Like our bigs will do stuff that they do in their programs, but then we also have them, you know, even if they don't shoot that many threes in games, we'll have them pick and pop and shoot threes in a drill. Like we will have them do other things outside of that, but if they're a guy setting the pick and roll a lot, we do a ton of drills with them in those pick and rolls. Jared, what I've noticed in the few times I've been too is just mass repetition of certain things. So it might be yeah. uh, we're coming off, it's a two on O, and we're going to hit the pop or we're going to hit the roll. It's just working on the skills within a variety of college athlete um, yeah. actions or the skills involved in, in something specific for you know uh, a, a, a team. I don't know that it's geared for – what I've seen in those two times is not a whole lot of live play, reading, and reacting. It's more there's three things you like can do. Like build the off. muscle memory for the action, yes. and then yes, you take that. Yeah, okay. Yes. You know, make so sure. then you can apply however your team is going to do it. 
So like like yeah. like if yes. Joey Brunk was there six you know five years ago or whatever, right. you wouldn't just say, "Hey, we're just going to have you hedge ball screens." It's you know you do everything, get comfortable with it, and then whatever you have to do in the season, you'll have built some muscle memory for that action. Yeah, we will give them repetition with every single sort of action that okay. they could do. That and and one of the things I liked in, in one of our we did a three on three live play a couple of days ago, and one thing I liked that JD did, and this is the first time he did this all summer, um, is okay, you're playing three on three, but every time you catch, you only have one dribble. Mm. You can't do more than one dribble. And what that's supposed to teach you is how to move without the basketball. If you can only, if you can only dribble at one time, you have to cut, you have to move, or you're not going to score. So I really like that he incorporated that. And then we also did like first thing has to be a pin down or you can only set or first pass is always going to be a ball screen. And so we incorporate – uh, we called it situational life play. So we would tell them a situation and then we would do life play out of the, out of those actions. This is absolutely one of the nerdiest basketball conversations we've ever had. And I love it. It's so great. <laughs> okay. Now here, here's a question for you, Brent, as you, you know, now are you know, kind of developing your career as a coach, both at Rossville and with what you're doing as a trainer, when was the last time that you said something, you know, either in a conversation with a with a guy or yelled something at a guy and you thought to yourself, damn, I sound like my dad? All that has time. to have happened. All the time. <laughs> I, I honestly can't even tell, I can't even tell you a, a direct thing or like an example because it's probably happened way too many times. I, my dad coached dad coached me in AAU and there was there were times where him and mom wouldn't talk like for the rest of the night because my mom was so mad the way he yelled at me. And so then when I yell at another kid, I'm like, oh, I probably just pissed off a parent, but that's all right. Brent, <laughs> Brent does it. Honest, but to be honest, watch, he's an Italian. He'll probably choke up here, but I learned the most from that man right over there. Like, mm -hmm. well, thanks, he, dude. He is, he is the reason I'm a coach and a trainer today. I honestly believe that. So, uh, that's awesome. Oftentimes when, I, when we go to his JV games, he'll run uh, a play that we call three up. And it's a little uh, catch at the high post and a back door off the wing and then a, a handoff or however action you want to run it. But we ran it with him in AAU. Uh, and so he kind of honors me most games uh, by running uh, running that. He tried to run it against us in the very oh. first game he ever coached. <laughs> and he told his point guard not to call it because I would know. And the point guard got the tip, and he started yelling, three up, three up. So I stood up and said, watch the back wing back door, and we blew it up, and he was not very happy. I was so mad at my point guard, not at you. Yeah, I know. I told him in the And I bet game. Amy was mad at you, Coach, for yeah. calling it I, out. Hey, ask him who won that game. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Here, I, I will do a, a – I, it won't be a humble brag. It'll just be an out, outlandish brag. The best thing Brent does is encourage – like, I wish I had his level of encouragement early. I was more of a screamer and a yeller and a tough guy and the old-fashioned Bob Knight type stuff. And, and I think I was right in that stage where some kids liked it and some kids didn't. If I had to go back and do it again, I'd be more of an encourager on game day and a butt kicker in practice or film session. Um, yeah. I, I think um, what, what I see, especially for JV – where you got all, you got kids who aren't very good, but they're freshmen. You you keep them around, and then your best players get taken up for quarters, and 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 you want to win as a JV coach. But the best thing that he does is is encourage and, and team build. And, and I think, you know, spending time with uh, this Jordan Delks dude helps too. Um, 
And, and I think that's where I, I'm just really a, a proud dad because he's my son. But when, you know, he's building his understanding of the skills that are needed to play basketball, he watches film, he, he talks a lot. And that's what, that's what you got to do is we talk about players getting better all the time. You, coaches got to get better all the time too, or, or they're going to get passed by. And, and that's probably the best thing that I can see is he's just thirsty to, to keep learning, learning the game. And, and he's spending a, a summer uh, basically as an, as an intern uh, right now and, you know, working his way into summer work with, with that uh, traveling around. I, I get texts now, Jared, hey, I'm in Chicago at this steakhouse, uh, <laughs> you know, having a good time. <laughs> I mean, it's a great life. He just travels around and it goes to all these uh, private gyms in the state of Indiana and uh, works out these college players. So it's, Dude, it's an honor to have him on. I mean, you know, when you're talking about all those drills and those shooting drills, it just takes me back to like even just preparing for high school seasons, you know, and honestly, like some of the most fun I've ever had. Like it just hearing you talk about that, it just almost made me jealous that I don't get to do that anymore. Yeah. Like going and just working out for basketball is just I mean, it's one of the greatest things ever. It's been one of so the best. being able to be I love, around that. I love teaching. I love teaching and I'm an educator and I love it. But it has been a really fun two months. Not really looking forward to having to go back to the classroom here in two weeks because then I'll miss out on a lot of those workouts, but it's been a fun two months for sure. And, and, and one thing I'll mention here real quick, and we, we can talk for as long. I'm not doing anything tonight, but, um, <laughs> but one thing I would like to remind your listeners and myself, because I used to be really bad at this was one thing that I really have taken away from these high level workouts is that these dudes are humans. Like they are people. So when, we lose a game we shouldn't lose, and we turn the ball over late, and we don't beat Kansas or whoever we lose to that we probably should have won the game or whatever. Remember that they're college kids and they're people. And so don't tweet at them. Don't, you know, mm -hmm. like be mad that your team lost, but there's a lot of worse things that could happen. And that's yeah. one thing because some of the Purdue players I work with, right, they just got beat by 16 seed, and I'm sure their fans were just – reaming them on every social media outlet right but they're people and they make mistakes and all that stuff so just try to keep that in mind that's my big advice for the night i mean they're not busting their ass for two hours in the summer to lose right. in the first round of the ncaa tournament <laughs> yeah I mean, absolutely yeah i mean and a lot a, of these guys drive 45 minutes to an hour to go train like they don't just wake they up and walk it, down right? to the next gym because they want it hold they the trophy, want but everybody wants it i would yeah. tell you i've been i've been to two workouts and it's Nice to meet you, sir. Thanks a lot. You know, um, thanks for you know pointing that out. Um, and I'm the, I'm just a guest. Uh, I'm not there on a regular basis. And and you know, you tell a guy, hey, when you're going, you're fading a little bit. When you pick and pop to the left, you're fading. When you pick and pop to the right, you're sticking your landing. So work on it. Then all of a sudden, he works on it, he hits, and he comes. Man, co coach, that was great. Thank you very much. I mean, I'm I'm sure not everyone's that way. But again, if you're paying money or you're driving an hour to work out, you're very appreciative of the other people who are working out. The people that are here at Compete Training Academy, and I'm sure at all the other academies, as Brent said, it's a growing business all the way around. Uh, generally, the, these guys um, are pretty solid people uh, for the most part, uh, and at least the ones that are, have been uh, part of this training in the summer. Uh, it, it, it this was, is why it was I, so, I so rarely buy the it's an effort problem. 
in games. Right. Yeah, no, like every no, now and then, every now and then it will be, you know, and but I think a lot of times that is because of something else. You know, there's something going on in the locker room that's clouding guys focus or whatever. But it's not you can't get to this level without caring and really yeah. working hard and you know, so I just it's, we got to keep that in mind as fans. And, and Jared, as I would say that about, about coaches too. You can have you can have the X's and O's argument because everybody can have a way of doing things, but nobody's gonna no coach and no player is gonna go into a game and being like, "I'm gonna do this because it's not gonna work and we're gonna <laughs> lose." Like I, I if, if they do that, then they are in the wrong profession, obviously. So whenever you get mad at a play call or not doing something, it's it's not because they don't want to win it just might be a difference in opinion and what you think they should do which is perfectly fine and you can have that debate but nobody goes into a game being like i'm not gonna play hard I'm yeah not and, <laughs> and like you said you can have a difference of opinion and so maybe right. you question the judgment yes. but i think you know one of the things I, I i learned or relearned last season coach as we were doing the shows is it's important to try and see it from the coach's perspective. It's like, we spent a lot of time early in the season. Why aren't we taking more threes? Why aren't we doing more of this? And I think by the end of the season, you realize, well, you're really playing to the strengths of Jalen and Trace, and you've got a freshman point guard who probably the most important thing you need to do is keep him comfortable. So design your offense to his strengths and comfort level. And that may not be what we all think is ideal by the mathematics and the analytics, but it may actually be what's best for the guys that are actually on the court, the humans in the locker room. You know, and that I, I feel like that was a lesson that I had to relearn last year, um, you know, while while watching the games, because you're right. I mean, coaches are they have a lot of pressure. They're doing everything they can to win. You may think it's misguided, but there's probably a, a, a pretty good reason why they're doing it, whether it's actually working on the court or not. So, yeah, important for us all to remember it. I want to go back to something that you said, and we can we can wrap it up if, if we need to, uh, Jared, um, that. It's good. It would be great for a lot of people to go and witness some of these workouts. Uh, you know, whether it's Compete Training Academy or it's something in Indianapolis, something in Bloomington, to see how good the average kids are. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 you know, so I, I saw Mason Gillis and Kaufman ran a couple of Purdue kids at the workout, and they're you know I know Mason Gillis hit that three those threes that day, but they're not the superstars, and they're in working. And when you watch them shoot, it's like, holy cow, you're pretty dang good. But mm -hmm. you're working because you got competition of a, a guy that's just as good. Like, if you're playing in the Big Ten, 12, 13 guys are really, really, really good. Someone's got to be number 12. They're a really good number 12 uh, player. It's it's amazing. Even the 7'3 the kid from, from Stony Brook, um, you know, he was a West Side kid, um, and that's why he got connected here. Um, so – but skill level, and, and he's he's a sub over at, at Stony Brook. So, and he's working to get more playing time and get a starting starting spot, um, and just works you know works hard. So that's the thing that I, I want to leave with our listeners in this nerdy uh, you know uh, broadcast is college level kids work really really hard, and, and it doesn't mean that it's going to be wins or losses or someone's going to score twenty points a game or forty you know, percent from three, but the better players work hard and, and they work beyond what is just practice. So it's not about yoga or shooting more free throws or whatever. Everyone's doing that there. There's a lot of components uh, to making a, a team better in, in the summer. Brent, I'm going to end one more, one more question. What's your favorite thing that you've done this summer with compete training uh, Academy? 
my favorite experience was definitely the Northwestern trip. Um, you know, Brooks Barnheiser hit him up and he didn't have the chance. He is a Lafayette kid, but he was in Chicago for, or Evanston for the, for the rest of the summer. So he actually asked Jordan to come up there and Jordan asked, can I bring my crew, which involved a videographer, a photographer, and then two of his trainers, which I was fortunate enough that he asked, he asked me to go. And it was good because of the friendships that was there, right? We went to the steakhouse and we hung out and everything, but got to go to another big 10 arena, got to work out another big 10 player and um, a really good big 10 player. Hope I'm going to be mad when he hits a shot on my Hoosiers or something and be like, I shouldn't have worked him out, but um, being able to be cursing you on the post game show, right? This one's on Brent. Yep. Yep. Damn it, Brent. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Being able to travel though with my guys and, being able to go work a high level guy out like that, you know, I'm used to working out in barns in Indiana and that's been awesome and cool, but to be able to go into that environment was, was really, really, really special. And then just the friendships I've gotten, right. Like I'm, I'm, I got guys numbers now. I'm like the Rocco kid from Stony Brook just hit me up messing with me yesterday about something uh, about how some player would cook me or something like that. Like, it's just that little banter that I'm getting now with some of these guys that has been really fun. Man, when you boil anything down, the best part about anything, it's relationships. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yep. uh, That's great. Been a good experience for you, Brandon. Good experience when you've let me tag along. I appreciate letting Dad tag along. I appreciate you joining us tonight to nerd out on some uh, basketball skills. And hopefully our listeners, you you gained a little bit of perspective of of what goes on outside of uh, the individual programs, our Indiana program. These kids are getting better, and we can't wait till November – to see how this all plays out. Jared, any, any last thoughts for our listeners before we sign off for the evening? No, you know, I'm just thinking as a listener and having heard us talk about lots of Purdue players who are using trainers, I'm sure one question our listeners mind is, well, do you know how many IU guys are using trainers in the off season? And I don't know. Um, it'd be an interesting know. question to answer. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but it would be yeah, interesting to know. More. And I would imagine, you know, you go ahead, Brent. Sorry. Sorry for cutting you off. I feel like, no, Ryan. no, go ahead. It's um, like Ryan's here. We needed someone to <laughs> fill Ryan's spot. Yeah, I so feel like cool. I'm Ryan. That's my fault. <laughs> um, but one IU basketball player has actually been, not consistently, but has been to Jordan's barn. Oh, okay, good. And that's Sydney Parrish. <laughs> Sydney Parrish <laughs> nice. has been to the barn. So I know that she has used a trainer at one point. Um, she doesn't go consistently, but I know she has once or twice. Uh, but in terms of men's program, I, I do not know, but I'm sure some of them do. Obviously, yeah. we talked about the Purdue guys, but we're more locally in their aspect. So that's why I've been working those guys out. You know, yeah, Rob Finnessy sure, was like, up. Kalel, and I think Kalel was out in L.A. and right, you know, right. uh, Mbako was. And again, some of the higher level guys are going to have agents that set them up with, you know, with certain things. Um, so, yeah, but I don't and, know the answer to how many. How and many just for, for our listeners to, to know, it's like we do live in the Lafayette area. Uh, J.D. Uh, Jordan Delks, the owner of this uh, program. This business uh, was a manager at Purdue and has connections to Purdue, so Purdue has set players to him. That's why we talk a lot about uh, the Purdue players. Uh, and, and then Jordan Ducks, the owner, is a Rossville guy. We're all Rossville people, so we're all kind of connected. And as basketball coaches, you don't turn down an opportunity to go work with players. And you don't go down no – uh, and, and I, even though I'm not coaching anymore, you don't pass up an, attorney, uh, an opportunity to learn from Jordan Delks and I was on his podcast he he shared something for us for our community podcast so th- that's the other thing for our listeners Jared too is that 
yeah, I don't want Purdue to win many games, but I do respect the fact that basketball players and coaches and all of that. But that's why we, we've dropped some of those names. Is that's the guys that we've seen work out in our circle. But I'm sure the Indiana guys have, have their people that they trust. When they go back home, wherever hometown is, that's what happens with the West Lafayette group here. When they come home yeah. or they're staying at school, uh, when Purdue is not open or to get some extra work, they go to the local uh, trainer yeah. Uh, or the trainer that they feel comfortable with, or their agent. So I, I'm sure that most players do have some sort of outside trainer besides what Indiana's doing. Look, man, when the jerseys are on in January, February, and March, it's a rivalry. We don't want Purdue to do well, but we're all basketball Shafino. people. Yeah, exactly. If you know, if some you know, if a Purdue player came to me in the off season and said, "Hey, will you work me out?" I would work him out just because he's a basketball player, and you know, <laughs> and he's a college kid. Try to help him be better. You know. I mean, so that stuff is that stuff is kind of silly. It, it matters once the jerseys are on and during the season, but it does. It's always going to be in my mind when some of those guys hit a shot on my team, though. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, but that's our, you, like I said, you, you wait. different during the season. <laughs> We're, it is so going to be part of our post game show, Northwestern. Feel free to have me on. And I, can just, I, can, I can take I can take the criticism if you want me on that post game show. Yeah, God, Brent, you suck. That's what that's what we're going to say. We're going to blame it all on you. Show's over. Just, I, anyway. I just, I want you. Can I, can I give you a piece of trash talk for Mason Gillis? You should ask him if his big hairy ass goal is just to beat Mike Woodson once. You know, just <laughs> you know, true. And hey, that, I, will, I did want to mention this. I was on this show, I think, once before, and it was when the streak was still alive. The bad, bad streak was still yes. alive, and I think there, there might be a drop somewhere. Maybe not, but I remember saying it's about time we beat freaking Purdue. That's and right. Since that comment, we're three and one. I just want to throw right. that out there. We're three and one since that comment. But we better not be three and two after you, you doing your summer work. I know. You're off the show forever. Yeah. You're done. All right. That's great. All Brett, right, thanks everybody. for coming on, man. Yes, this thanks. Awesome. It's been a blast. Hey, I'm going to be in Texas this weekend. I heard yep. that. How long are you going to be in town? Uh, we're getting in really late tomorrow and we're leaving Sunday morning, so it's going to be a short stay. But oh, one you of really? Our, okay. The GA. A GA at Indiana State when I was there is getting married in uh, Fort Worth. Okay. Well, if you need to be picked up or bailed out, you call me and I got you back. (laughs) Yeah, better call call Tara. Don't call Dad. (laughs) Yeah, call me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of RigDesign.com for designing our logos, and thank you for listening. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Ferrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. No Mrs. Tonsoni clips the sun is on. <laughs> I was show. wondering if you were going to use that with Brent here. <laughs> uh, all right, well, see, we got a few people saying great show and thanks, guys. Some, we have a few, a few nerds who stuck with us. A few basketball nerds who stuck with us in, in July. I, I think this conversation is one of the best y'all had, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> see? Humble, just like Ryan. Right. Yeah. No, I was going to say. Who asked Ryan to be on the show? We have our shot doctor. We asked Brent to come on. He's interrupting. I know. I'm bad about that. I got something on my mind. I want to say it before I forget it. <laughs> we know how that goes. Yeah.
But I was going to say, if you guys, we don't have to talk about what I do every time, obviously, but if you guys are ever short people, I, I love this stuff. So heck yeah, you absolutely. Throw you on. Whatever. Absolutely, man. No, we appreciate your insight. It's, I mean, it's nice having someone else, honestly, who's been inside of a college basketball program, you uh-huh. know, because I think that insight is important. You know, I try to remember it all the time and you get in the heat of the season and you're frustrated by a loss and it's easy to forget it, you know, but you know, that with, with both boys being managers, one at Indiana and, and one at Indiana state and then Brent coaching uh, now and doing this high level training boy. And, and since, uh, was it 2015 when all of that started, um, even as a coach, my appreciation for the college, you know, game and the work ethic and what goes on in a college program has totally grown in the last eight years through them and their experiences and of what they have shared and, and getting to know the coaching yeah. staffs of the various places. It's, um, yeah, th- there's a lot more than what we see when we turn on ESPN or Fox or whatever and watch that game and then the post game show and then go do our own thing. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. I, and I think one of the best things for him tonight, uh, Brent, was that, you know, these, these guys are humans and doing their job and working to get better. Um, you know, want to beat them and then, you know, shake their hand and go out and have a pizza and a root beer or whatever. Um, that, that That's important for all of us to try to remember. We get caught up in the fandom and the wins and losses and, and, and that. But um, that, that, yeah. that was really good. That was one of the things that I took away from the Chicago trip too, is like, I know he asked us to be there, so I didn't expect him to be a jerk, but you know, here we are in that arena for the first time. And he shakes our hand, looks us in the eye, has a full conversation with us. And, you know, he didn't take advantage of, of our time, which just, you know, here's the guy that was, he was pretty damn close to being in a sweet 16, you know? So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I know I already I said it on the show, but that was that was surprising to me. I did not expect anyone to give me the time of the day. I'm just an old man in in this gym, and they all came up and introduced themselves. It wasn't you know JD didn't tell them. No one told them. Hey, this is Coach Tonsoni. They all, hi, I'm so and so. I'm Coach Tonsoni. It was very impressive that the eight to ten guys that I've seen this summer that go through compete training academy, and I think that's a reflection of Brent Jordan. Uh, Chase Fry, another Rossville guy. That there, uh, it's not just basketball in this academy. It, it is um, a lot more than that. With the mindset, the goal writing, uh, setting, and writing uh, in your journals, um, that and that's an impressive thing from an educator. It's an impressive thing. Um, I'm obviously biased. These are people I've known for 10, 15 years. Um, coached against Jordan when he was in high school, but. It, you know, when you have good people working to help people be better in their skill and in their life, I mean, I, I just, I, I can't, I, I can't compliment uh, that whole program. And I hope, I just hope it grows and grows and grows uh, for Jordan and his wife, Courtney. Uh, they're, they're just good, 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 solid people. I just love that they do it in barns. Oh, man. Awesome. Awesome. And that's the funniest thing, too. When he was looking for places to eat in Evanston, the first place that showed up was called The Barn. And that's like, and that's like his like DNA. So he's like, I don't care how expensive it is, how fancy it is. We're eating at the barn. So Jared, I was talking to him the first time I went to the barn over in Sweetser, Indiana. And he said, um, they were married. They had a house. I think they had their first child and, and his wife, Courtney, who's from Oak Hill high school, uh, miss basketball played at Purdue. She came home, saw this barn and this house and said, I got the house we're going to buy. And he goes, did you look at the house? She goes, no, but I love the barn. 
And that <laughs> barn, we're going to oh, turn man. that barn into a into a gym. So they I, I, they obviously went and looked at the house, but it but it was the barn and the vision to turn this thing in. And then since then, they've added a pole barn, a second gym, onto their property. And clients just drive up and and. You know they got some weight equipment. They got a lot of things going on in there. And um, man, what what a what a great profession! And he wakes up and he he helps people get better, and he coaches basketball every day. Uh, and they got high school kids coming in. There was a high school sophomore in there shooting uh, when, when we got there. That's gonna um, where is he playing? Westfield, Westview, Westview, Westview. That man you know. married well. Yeah, he married well. So um, she, she picked the house for the barn. She loves she yeah. loves training the youth. So Jordan's really? more in, Jordan's more into like the high level guys and professionals or college athletes, and he has some really good high school players that he does. But she, she, I go in there sometimes, and she's just working out some young girls, and and it's it's really it's really neat to see, to be honest with you. What's the oldest player you would actually try and change their shot? Like, at what age would well, you just assume question. that like a normal shot form is like their shot form is kind of set? And where do you think it's still malleable? I guess it depends. Like, if you get to that college and pro level, I think there's no no reason to. Um, I, I've seen some high school guys that it takes some work. Like, <laughs> that you might, you know, they, I don't know what happened, elementary, middle school, that I would probably correct. Yeah. But if it's not horrible, I would try to just work on those little small details. But I, I think El- guys- the best thing to do is – elementary get them get them right when they start being able to shoot the basket and then hopefully the repetition just stays with them throughout their life it's so hard to change we talked about this in our high school program when i was coaching at western about how do you change someone's shot when they're 16 17 years old and have established that shot and, yeah. and it really is a total breakdown to where it has to go to i mean total total breakdown and you're not sure it's going to come back because of that muscle memory and just the way that young man has shot for, or young lady has shot for a, a long, long time. So we, we had those discussions as a staff, like, do we break someone's shot down over the summer? Is it going to come back? Or do we just find a role for, for him the way, the way he shoots right now? It's just, it's just really hard when it's set. Um, and, and I think that age is probably somewhere between 16 to 18 where it is definitively set. Yeah. Um, and then you have the problem, too, I think, Brent. I don't know if you agree, but if you have a 16-year-old who shoots all crazy, but he's hitting 40% of his threes, and you're a high school coach, you're like, do I want to take the time to break that down and have it go down to 30 <laughs> for a year or two so that he can shoot by the time he's 18, or do I want him to shoot now? I mean, as a coach, I like I like good results. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean – And you, don't, you also don't want to kill the kid's confidence if he's you know, a shooter. Yeah. You don't you know, want to go so, up and be like, okay, you have – terrible form and just kill that confidence we talked all that time about belief and confidence you don't want to tear that away as a coach but so let me ask you this like from a youth coaching perspective because with the proliferation of the three-point shot now i'm sure kids when they're super young want to step out and start shooting threes but if they're not strong enough to do it with a good form it seems like you could develop really bad habits so how do you gauge like when you know you a kid is okay to start shooting threes regularly you, you got to judge it because like, like you said, if they're not strong enough, like we, we always say, cause we, we kind of combine our workouts in the summer uh, cause we're a small school and we have a big enough gym where we do middle school and high school together. So mm-hmm. whenever we're doing drills that involve threes, we always tell people like, if you can't shoot threes, do not shoot threes. 
like those sixth graders that can that are going to airball every single shot. It's there's no point in having them shoot threes. So I think you just got to judge on the maturity that they have and and hope that they understand that we're not we're not trying to kill your confidence, but you need to do something that's gonna that's gonna help you in the long run. And the problem at a small school like Rossville sometimes is is we sometimes don't have our youth coaches on the same page all the time. Mm, and that, that, yeah. that kills, that kills development because what, what would be the ideal world is, you know, fourth grade on up, they're doing everything we do. And when we right. make it an open practice, so we tell all our youth coaches that have an open practice, see how we run things and you can do that in your program. But we rarely have youth coaches show up because I don't mean to call them out, but a lot, you know, they don't get paid that much. I mean, it's not, yeah. you know, some of them are, those guys probably have families and right. And jobs yeah. and stuff like that. So it's not, I'm not blaming them, but sometimes that kills development. Cause then they're preaching one thing that at the high school level, we're not even preaching. Right. And so then that's they have the toughest thing in high school. It's uh, at every school I've been to is to get that uh, from your feeder system coaches all on board. Cause some of them are, are people who've been there 30 years. You're the new coach and coming in and, 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 and then not everyone has the same philosophy and, you know, um, it, it's just tough it, when you, when you're capable of, of doing that on a consistent basis. But I, what I would do is I would paint three point lines, 10 to 12 feet or whatever for younger kids. Mm. So whatever the they lev- can shoot at comfortably, what, whatever they can shoot at comfortably, give them that option to say, Hey, here, you know, here's your layups and your two pointers. Now this is going to be your three pointers right now. Like, like you got to You got to yeah. You got to hit sixty percent of your shots unguarded from twelve feet three point line before we move you back. Uh, if that's that mental game of all oh, kids want to shoot the three pointers, but the three pointers killed shooting because kids ruin their form trying to get the ball up when their when their core strength and their legs and their arms aren't there. And and so at some point, really, high school is when you're strong enough. For your freshman year is probably when you're strong enough. Now there are kids, yeah. high level kids, seventh, eighth grade that can do that. Um, but um, you know, when you're fourth, fifth, sixth grade, that's a heck of a shot, no matter who you are, unless you're, you know, going to be a top two draft pick or something like that, right? So it, yeah. it's amazing how many middle school games I go to, sixth, seventh grade, and I just see them chucking up threes, and I'm like, what are we doing? Mm. <laughs> like, well, you know, and to the you know to defend those kids, that's what they see, exactly. You know, in the NBA games, and that's what they want to do. So I think that's where it's kind of on the coaches. And even maybe the setup of the league, you know, to change it up a little bit, you know, maybe you do move the three point line in or do something because, yeah, you don't. I mean, to me, I feel like that's probably one of the biggest questions now in youth basketball development, because if you can get that right, then you can develop good shooting fundamentals. And as we know, there's no more important fundamental to have in the game than that. And then you guys have guys in third and fourth grade AAU playing two, three zone and one, three, one trap, which forces long shooting. I think right? I think so, so you go I to AU and zones. you see people just jacking up threes because they got to beat the two three zone. They're not strong enough to dribble through it or pass through it. Right. I think they should. I think they should ban any defense besides man to man until high school. Yes. Like pass <laughs> because, a law or a constitutional because, amendment. Because you exactly. can't you got to know how to play man to man to even be able to play any zone. Like you still do. Right. Man, you still do man to man principles in any zone that you are in. Yes. So let's start them in a one-three-one in fourth grade. Then they don't know how to play man-to-man. Then they're screwed. No oh, man. Unbelievable. Just stick to the fundamentals. You know, stick to the fundamentals. And here, here's the best one, Brent. 
the guy at the top of the one three one zone gets steals or the his friends get steals and he leaks out and he scores twenty five points a game. Because when he's in fifth grade, he's six foot already, got hair all over his body, and is at the point of the one three one zone defense and gets thirty points a game in steals. And then he's got to come up and play JV basketball in a half-court offense and can't do anything. And then the dad's mad at, you ruined my kid. He scored 30 points Mommy in Mommy and daddy grade. pat him on the back on the way home because they scored 30 yeah. points out of a no, one-on-one zone. you're coaching a fourth-grade team pretending to be Tom Izzo. Maybe just yeah, relax exactly. and focus on the fundamentals. <laughs> Brent, were you at the – was it your AAU or Brandon's AAU where we counted the number of the time? There was this kid. He ended up scoring like 25 points. He very rarely crossed half-court defensively. Yeah. They played like a three-quarter, one-three-one. and when like the that ball old video over of LaMelo Ball from back it, in the day. Yeah. yeah, when the ball would go over his head, he'd just kind of walk back to half court yeah. hoping that there would be a rebound or a steal, and then he'd leak out. And he scored 25 points in this AAU game, but he I swear he only crossed half court defensively twice. Unbelievable. But that's yeah, part yeah, of development, too, as your young guy. Yeah, it AAU, is. AAU could be good. It could be. I'm not a fan of it because of that stuff because I see way too At many our many level. Stuff. Uh, yeah, at our level, but but it could be good because you learn to play the game through playing games. But there's just too much of that other BS in AAU that just yeah. drives me away. I mean, I yeah. coached it that one summer, and I will never coach it again, <laughs> ever, because they don't want to listen to you because they're not your high school coach, and they just want to go out there and play one-on-one shows. So here's a high school coach trying to actually teach them how to play the game of basketball. And apparently that's not what they signed up for. So I'm never going to do that again. I'll just coach high school basketball the rest of my life. That's fine. <laughs> I think we do need to get Brent on some post-game shows. There's a spiciness here that I think could, oh. uh, could work. You got me started yeah, like on the AU thing. <laughs> something else. Dude, I mean, but coaching at, at those early levels, it seems like, oh, you know, you're just coaching a fourth grade team, but – I mean, you're setting a direction for fundamentals and how to view the game that is going to be hard to shake, you know, yeah, as I, a kid gets older. So and, and I understand it what you, I understand if it's what you do, and I, I won't name the school here because it's a local school and it drives me nuts that they do this. But like they they are they play three two zone and they play it all right. So they believe in their three two zone and that's what they do. So their fifth graders run three two zone, and now give him credit, he's making them better at what they do, but. I just, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get why starting them at three. If you want to do that to win a sectional, by all means, do that to win a sectional. But why is your fifth grade team doing it? I, it's I not don't. going to get you a scholarship to Syracuse anymore because Bayheim retired. So <laughs> absolutely, yeah. like I, it just it drives me nuts when I when I go to games like that and I just see them run junk. Yeah. Oh man, you're you're a peach. All right. Well, I was worried if we were going to even do a show, and now it's 945, and we've nerded out on workouts and youth basketball, and it's been great. Thank you to everybody. Whoever's listening right now, you are our 60 of you who are still here are amazing. (laughs) There's still 60 people. You're our people. I thought it was just us three. No, there are still 60. I didn't shut off the broadcast. Oh, yeah, we should tell Brett. Yeah, we're still live. Yeah, glad you didn't cuss or anything. Man, I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky. This whole time, I thought it was a conversation between the three of us. <laughs> hey, one of these times, Jared, I'll be at a meetup. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. good. One of these yeah. times. It has not worked out yet with my basketball schedule, but hopefully right, one of these times, I'm off. Well, we may. We've, we've had some preliminary conversations about coming up in September and doing something. We have okay. no details Football on it yet, weekend. but yeah, we're I, thinking about the – Indiana State, because they're honoring the Mallory team, so I may come up with my dad, and then we may – we're having some conversations about doing a live event. So 
It's not don't book, you know, book any plans or anything. It may not happen. It's right. probably more likely to not happen than to happen, but we are, we're trying to figure that out if we can. So that'll be fun. Cause that definitely is during my, I'm going to be at all the football games up until, uh, early November. So, okay. Yeah. That'd be great. All righty. I'm cutting about, this off about coach Tonsoni. What it was like I growing got, up under yeah, the iron fist. Right. Oh, he had it easy at home. <laughs> All righty. All right, thanks, Brent. This was great, yep, man. Yep, Safe thanks, travels Brent. to and from thanks, Fort Thanks, Jared. We'll see you. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.